we boldly and predicted that they would have to sing too before this thing debuted yes. and of yeah. course <laughs> <laughs> hey we we roll deep in humility over here all three of yeah. us it takes a village to debrief after an emotional three months of 1883 does anyone else feel like this show cost you a year of your life Anyone else feel it was worth it? The finale dropped on February 27th, and the Dutton Rules team went back and watched one more time to pick out any clues, Easter eggs, or explanations we missed the first time around. And I do mean the entire Dutton Rules team. I'm Addison Hager, and today both Billy Dukes and Sterling Whitaker will join me for a roundtable conversation about the Yellowstone origin story. Together, we will work through the best moments of episode 10, the things we missed, hot takes for the future of this franchise, and the confusing James and John Dutton relationship. At the end, we'll give our grades for the series. I want to know your grade. Email staff at tasteofcountry.com to share what you liked and didn't care for about the plot, scenery, pacing, or acting. Either myself or Billy Dukes will return your email, and on Monday, we will provide an answer to last week's trivia question. Courtesy reminder to tap follow and then leave a rating and review when possible. Reviews are especially useful to us as we've got designs on season two of the Dutton Rules podcast, and we'd love to know what we can do better. Access old episodes for cast interviews from both 1883 and Yellowstone, Cole Hauser, Tim McGraw, Sam Elliott and Kelly Riley are just a few of my personal favorites. And then there's that tricky interview with Eric Nelson, which I know one member of our team has some thoughts on that today. Did Ennis do us dirty? Let's find out as we bring in Billy and Sterling right now. Hello, Addison! Hello, Billy. Man, just when I thought that we were done, we're not. We are still here on 1883, and I'm still here to talk about it. Surprisingly, my emotions are still hanging on by a thread. There's a lot to unpack, and I've gotten a ton of emails, and we're not going to get to any of them this week. Let's save the Q&As for Monday's episode okay. of the podcast, because we got something a little different planned for today. I know. I'm excited. Our very own Sterling Whitaker, which you, if you've been following the podcast for a while now, he is the insight guy for all of our fun cast interviews. And uh, Sterling and I have done um, some podcast episodes here. But today you get the trio, which is fun. We haven't (laughs) done this before. Hello. Hey, Sterling. How are you guys today? Good. And for those who are listening right now, we've got the hat game going on. Billy, Billy has a beanie on. I've got a trucker hat and Sterling. What would you call what would you call your hat? This is an Irish flat cap. Oh, we love that. Person- <laughs> it, that all describes our personalities right there. <laughs> Mine's more of a haven't showered yet today kind of look that oh, I got good. going you're, on. <laughs> you're showing all your cards. We weren't going to get there. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I want to start off this episode. What was y'all's favorite part? Which I will say where I mean, I'm jumping straight into spoilers. So at this point, if you're listening to this episode and you haven't watched the finale of 1883, you might want to press pause because this this episode is going to just be chock full of spoilers. You know, it's hard to say any of it was like a favorite part because there was so much tragedy. It's like, which death and tragedy did you like the best? 
that, I mean, honestly, that, yeah. yeah. That amputation scene, that was a rollicking good time. <laughs> I mean, my favorite moments, I think, probably, you have to go right to the end in those moments between James and Elsa. It was such great acting. As a father, I certainly felt that. You saw new sides of Tim McGraw. I mean, we've known Tim McGraw for so long as a country singer, and, yeah. and we have a really good relationship with him. You know, Taste of Country, we cover country music news. I've talked to Tim a number of times, probably to the point where, like, he recognizes me when I come in the room. I don't know necessarily if I was, like, out to eat. He would come over and say hi. But I've seen only clearly one side of his personality because he has this softer, sentimental side that we've never seen in the country music space. But that was really on full display Really, the last few episodes of 1883, but especially those final moments when he loses it and breaks down over his oh. his dead daughter's body, so so, yeah. so touching, powerful stuff. It was yeah, phenomenal acting, Sterling. What was yours? You know, at, and again, I mean, what is your favorite part of a thing that's just a a, a string of tragedy? It's really hard to beat for me. Uh, Shay at the very end, and it was something that I thought might be coming. And even though it was somewhat predictable, you know, uh-huh. just seeing him, it to me, that was almost like an honorable way for him to go out. He had said early on in the thing that he found another character's choice to take their life to be brave. And so for him, it's like, that's the only way he could have wrapped is to take his own life on his own terms, you know? Wow, that's a very, very unique perspective because I definitely, when I saw that scene, because I will say, even though it it was a scene that in previous uh, episodes of this podcast, I told Billy, you know, this entire time he had been predicting Shay's going to die, Shay's going to die. And Miss Hopeful Addison over here said, oh, but he's not. (laughs) And so you get to that scene and I thought, oh, amazing. I get to tell Billy, ha, I told you Shay was going to live. And then, yes, ends up shooting himself. And I mean, literally, I was like, well, okay, my my thoughts continually are not correct. Um, (laughs) But what I loved about that scene and so it, it is my favorite scene from the last episode. But what I think that they did a really, really good job on is that hummingbird part mm-hmm. of where he's looking out at the ocean. And I was doing a little bit of research uh, after this scene because I couldn't decide, you know, is it is it re- resembling his wife or is it resembling Elsa? And uh, there's a scene right before as James and Elsa are going off to find her final resting place. She tells Shay, you know, I'll meet you at the beach. And That's so right. I'm assuming that hummingbird's supposed to be represent, it's representing Elsa. Uh, and I just thought that that, if, I mean, if that is correct, <laughs> I thought that was a really, really well done metaphor and just imagery. I just, I, I really, I enjoyed that part. I didn't love it when he shot himself, but interesting take on what you were saying if he had said, you know, kind of the honorable way of going out on his own terms. I think you're right, and I didn't catch it until the second time through. I watched the episode again with my wife, and she immediately said, oh, Elsa's there. That's right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. How do you think they did that hummingbird scene? Like, how did they get that hummingbird? And the answer could be obvious, (laughs) but so much of the show was set, filmed on location, like... That's one trained hummingbird. <laughs> right. Like they have a you hummingbird know, wrangler on set, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I hate to, yeah, 
I hate to crush both of y'all's pride and joy over here, but I really think, you know, some solid after post-production was uh, yeah. part of this scene. But who knows? Maybe Bummer. there's an incredibly trained hummingbird out there that they just called up and are getting immense royalties at this point. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I, just not, you know, I'm going to let you guys run with that theory, but I'm not going to say I'm jumping on the train with you, but I, yep, I love it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How does that even work? Like, what is the what is the going rate for a hummingbird's day fee oh when it gosh. comes <laughs> You know what I mean? And I'm not is, even sure how that would work arrangement wise. They say it's the most expensive show ever created, and it probably has to do because they had to pay all these damn birds. Right? And the cattle, <laughs> like, the what's a cattle fee a just... day, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. This episode actually turns into how much the livestock and animals on 1883 were paid. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is there anything. And either one of y'all can speak to this. Sterling, you might um, have a little bit more insight here. Are there any things, are, is there anything that we, that we miss that, you know, like I said, the humming, the hummingbird aspect, um, or is there anything that maybe watching it the first time viewers might not have picked up on? Well, I'll tell you one thing that I missed completely, not just in this episode, but all along the way is, and in retrospect, it seems so incredibly clear, the sort of stock footage uh, still that they released in advance of the show, it looks like an old historical photograph of the family, and Elsa's not in it. <laughs> and it's just like, they told us before right. you even start the thing, it's like, hey, by the way, you know, she's not here anymore. And we saw that you know, every day of this thing, and, and I never picked up on the fact that obviously she's gone, you know? You know, not only is she not in it, it, it's almost as if there's a space where she would be. Like it's for a photo framed for four people. That's wow, true. Wow, never noticed that's that. That's true. Yeah. So there was that. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I just looked at that and thought, well, that's just foolish not to have seen that, you know, months ago. But that's the kind of thing Taylor Sheridan does. He plants these things and then he brings them back around and... Slaps you on the other side of the head with it on the other side, you know? Yeah. Well, and something I've noticed about him is he's someone who's going to a little bit just hide it in plain plain sight. Like, what That's you right. see is what you get. And at least for me, as we've seen, I try to, you know, conceptualize a bigger picture. And I'm like, well, but this could happen, this. And Billy's really, you know, kept me on track of like, no, no, no. What you see is what you get. And kind of like that. Like, he hid it in plain sight. He's not tricking anyone. But we That's just try true. to... Well, don't even necessarily, you know, note to that. But then also it's it's just one of those you try to make it what it's not. And Taylor Sheridan's going like, no, this is what you're seeing is literally what it is. Right, right. And in regard to the character of Shay and how that wrapped up, it strikes me, it, this kind of struck me all along the way, but even more so in retrospect, it, it strikes me that he said out loud in his own words, every time that he could, how it was going to go. You know, when he was talking to Elsa, about mm. honoring his wife, he said, I'm going to take her to the ocean and she'll see it through my eyes, and then I'll see her. Well, his wife is dead, so there's only one way to see her, you know? And, <laughs> I mean, and then... Oh, that's good! In talking with Taylor Sheridan's character, he said, you know, next time I see you, and he said, no, this is my last, you know, this is my last trail. This is goodbye. He knew all along what he was going to do when mm. he got where he was going. Is there anything else? 
that we might have missed? You know, one thing that Billy pointed out is in the in the last episode, as it's kind of opening, and Elsa says, I see things more clearly through my fever than I did before. There's birds circling up ahead, and that generally foreshadows death, you know, in a Taylor mm-hmm. Sheridan kind of production. It's been a, a device he's used multiple times in Yellowstone and 1883. Something that surprises me is people are still hesitant to believe. They're still kind of holding on to this whimsical notion that Elsa lived. And at this <laughs> point, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm getting emails where people are explaining how she still is out there somehow hoofing along on this Montana ranch. Uh, but I think everything about this show was so straightforward and real. Like, it's not that kind of show. They're not, no one has ever been brought back from the dead. I, you know, previously yeah. in this podcast, I tried to say that they were going to bring the character of um, the Beck brother. The Beck brother oh, back right, to right, life right, 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 right. somehow. And, and that was just notoriously wrong. You know, you're dead. You're dead. No one's coming back. Right. You know what I want to know is, so do we understand what the episodes that are coming in the fall are? Because they seem completely superfluous, right? It's like if she's dead and, you know, Shay's dead and then Thomas yeah. and Deb, what in the hell are they going to be doing in the fall? <laughs> that we want to see so i i guess i could kind of i don't believe that elsa is alive but if she was alive you could say that those will be like a surprise she's still alive but then they have to find a way to kill her a second time in a few episodes or it makes no sense you know i think maybe they need more of a bridge between 1883 and 1932 so they kind of wrote these episodes there's only a yeah. couple of unanswered questions, and the biggest one is whose baby is Spencer, that other boy that is sitting around the Dutton family table uh, during the flashbacks from season four of Yellowstone. That's the one big question we still don't know the answer to. So to some extent, they need to explain that. Um, yeah. But maybe we just need a little bit more action to get us to the point when 1932 starts, uh, we understand what's going on. I suspect they've already filmed it. Because they say they have filmed in temperatures that were below zero. And I didn't see that kind of weather during anything from um, this season of 1883. No, unless they're phenomenal at acting not cold. Yeah, no. Right. That's not not a thing. But I, I will say, touching on, Billy, what you just said a few minutes ago where you said, you know, they're they're dead. We're not bringing them back. There's a character. Let's just talk about Ennis for a second, who <laughs> we thought, I mean, in his interview with you, uh, we thought yeah. he, I mean, he was still taping, but we never saw him again. So do we think he was giving you kind of a run for your money or what is up? We never saw Ennis again. And I, and I am a diehard Ennis fan, as you guys know. So I was excited. I was ready. And we got nothing. It would appear that Ennis is a big fat liar. That's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) Sign, seal, delivered. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, the actor Eric Nelson told me a couple of things. One, he he insinuated that as soon as we were done with that interview, he had more filming to do. In fact, he said that. He said he had more filming to do, leading us to believe Mm -hmm. that there, you know, he was going to appear in more scenes down the road. It's possible that whatever scenes he filmed just got cut from the finale. Maybe the flashback where Elsa sees her version of Heaven Has Sam, maybe it was also going to include Ennis at some point. I guess we can consider that. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know how that would have worked. Sam didn't seem like the kind of guy who was here for that, necessarily. No. <laughs> um, or he could have just been fleecing me. But the other thing that he said was that uh, 1883 was definitely envisioned as a show that was going to go on for two, three, or four seasons. He said it wasn't written as a one-season story arc. And that absolutely proved not to be true in the case. It was always written as sort of this 10-ish hour movie uh, that'll just get us to the next series. Hmm. Uh, So in both cases, Ennis turned out to be a big fat liar. (laughs) (laughs) You hate to see it. Or he didn't know any better. You know, he might not have known the truth, I suppose. I'll give him that benefit of the doubt. Well, touching on all four shows, so we've got Yellowstone, we have 1883, we have the upcoming 1932, and then we have the Four Sixes Ranch. Do you guys have a hot take on any any of these? What do we think is going to happen? I do have a hot take. It's it's pinned in logic, but I think it'll be a little bit controversial, and, okay. it, and it kind of ties 1883 to Yellowstone. Beth Dutton and Elsa Dutton are related by name only. And I think there's this temptation to kind of pair them up because they're both strong, independent women, and they share some similar physical similarities. But the truth is what drives Elsa is innate. She's instinctively drawn to the land and that adventure. And Beth is really a byproduct of circumstance. On her own, she's not a rancher or even a country girl. She acts like she does because she's learned throughout time that when she makes decisions out of fear, it goes really poorly. And you can think back to that scene where the sterilization when she's a teenager, that's probably the best example of it. Uh, She's extremely loyal to her father, like Elsa, but she's loyal because she blames herself for the death of his wife and her mother, which we see during, I think, season one. Uh, She's responding, whereas Elsa is out there in control, sort of controlling her own fate. Furthermore, Beth's not a hero. You know, she's a villain. She's a villain on the home team, I think. But she behaves, the way she behaves and her lack of empathy, it's not applaudable by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, we do not want our daughters to grow up to be like Beth Dutton. She has some great lines and some great quotes that look good on T-shirts. But that's about it. I, I think the number one person who may not realize this, though, is the actor that plays Beth. That's kind of the second part of my hot take here, but I will stop to give you all a moment to react to the Beth and Elsa not being the same person hot take I have. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. To be honest, I haven't tried to pair, I really haven't tried to pair them together. People want to say that it's Bethany and Elsa somehow shared a name, Elizabeth, Elsa. Remember we had that conversation a few weeks right. back that maybe right, right. Elizabeth was, and it ended up being for not because Beth is actually Bethany, not Elizabeth. Uh, but a lot of people want to kind of just put, you know, blonde with blonde or, or strong woman with strong woman, but their motivations are are totally different. I, I don't know if there is a parallel on Yellowstone for what Elsa Dutton represents, and it could be Casey, to be honest. Hmm. You're probably right about that, too. Or even, and even though she's not really a Dutton by blood, I could even say Monica is more like Elsa, not not as bold, but she's sure. more of a moral center of the show, you know. I think ultimately I'm over I'm over here just not I just I'm not trying to bridge the two together. And that might be wrong on my behalf, but yeah, I'm not I don't know. The other part of this is I think that Kelly Riley might be a little bit too close to the character of Beth. 
And I've noticed this in inter interviews with Kelly. She has like this sort of reverence for Beth that I, I think kind of borderlines oh, yeah. on, borders on like an infatuation for the character. And I kind of wonder if it's going to have some sort of mental side effects for it because ultimately, I think Beth is going to die. Like Shay, death seems to be Beth's ultimate destiny. And right. man, she's really close to that character. It scares me. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I guess that's a good question. With Yellowstone coming out, who do you think... With season five coming out, who do we think? I mean, Belly, it sounds like you think Beth's going to die. I mean, Sterling, do you have a character that you think is going to be the one to kind of be the Shay? I don't know if this is all that much of a hot take or maybe it's just what's been staring us all in the face all along. I think Yellowstone has to end ultimately with John dying and they lose their land. That has to be okay, the way that goes, right? John dies. Yeah. Doesn't he have to die? Yeah. That's the only thing that makes any sense. There's not going to be him sitting around with the grandkids at Easter, you know, one day. it's <laughs> That's just not the way that character is going to go. He's too dark a character, right? Yeah. Billy, would you to agree? Who? I, I... who gets the land? Good question, right? I mean, a developer or does the tribe somehow get it back after all these multi-generational infighting? I mean, that was, and you kind of pointed out that that was implied in this, in the last episode of 1883. I think the natives get the land back after what you just said, Sterling, after that conversation that we had, the last podcast episode of um, them talking about, you know, in seven generations, and granted, we don't, we don't know really, as we've tried to figure out what that seven generation actually is. But uh, I think it ends. Yeah, like you said, John, John dying, uh, them giving up the land, but surely it, it goes to the natives. I mean, maybe the developers, but and this, this might just be the hopeful side in me, but I would hope that it wouldn't end that way. But you know, the, the Yellowstone, Taylor Sheridan's, all of his series tend to just leave me really just with a crushed heart. So <laughs> not putting too much stock there. I'm torn on who gets the land because, you know, the natives getting it would almost present something of a happy ending. And I don't see the Yellowstone getting any sense of a, a happy ending. Yeah. I could almost see but the was, whole family dying, honestly. I could almost see everybody going down, you know? Oh, what about Tate? gosh. You think Tate did, is going to die too? Maybe not Tate. Maybe Tate's the one uh, holdout. But I could see Casey, John, Beth, and even Jamie all dying together. Rip, you know? Somehow they all go down oh. together. I don't gosh. know. I mean, you, you don't put anything Y'all have to check past. me to therapy if that's how this goes. <laughs> Expense that. Sterling. <laughs> but who gets a happy ending when you look at such dark people? You know, who's supposed to live on and go to like PTA meetings and, you know, sit around <laughs> on the porch when they're old? I mean, I just don't see it for any of these people. Monica, maybe. I think Casey. I think Casey and Monica come out ah. on top. Um, yeah, that's my that's my prediction. Hey, Addison, remind me in like a, a, a couple few days to do a wellness check on Sterling. Because he seems <laughs> kind of dark and down, well, down his feels right now. <laughs> That's funny. This, this time next week, we'll just we'll circle back to you, Sterling. Okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I'm interested to hear y'all's take on four sixes. As you guys know, I love Jimmy, Jefferson White's character. 
I am very as as hopeful as I am and as much as I love watching him and Emily on screen and just everything that he embodied once he left the Dutton Ranch. I'm very interested to see how the Four Sixes show is going to really stand on its own. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Well, it doesn't seem like, to have a natural plot like baked into it, which is interesting. Right. Um, so I don't know what the storyline is. It could just be kind of, uh, and pardon the expression, um, more horse porn as we've seen throughout Yellowstone <laughs> where they just show the, the, cu- the cutting and the, the, right. the roping and the tricking, which is cool. Right. You know, kind of could lead us into that competitive world. And I think that'd be some good storytelling. Uh, I've said all along that I think that show is going to need some bigger names yeah. to be successful. Uh, and they should have no problem attracting those those kind of actors at this point. Uh, but it's not clear what the plot line is going to be because it's not a, an origin story of any sense for Yellowstone like 1932 and 1883 are. It's, 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 it's more like the Sylvester Stallone show or even Mayors of Kingstown where it has some similar characters that might intersect with Yellowstone, but it's it's going to be its own show. So, Right. I'm, I'm, I don't know either. Yeah, no, I, I have absolutely no sense of where that might go. You know, some of the asides that they did shoot there were interesting, but they were interesting because of Jimmy and his character arc. Right. And now his character arc, I, I wouldn't say it's wrapped, but he's matured and become, you know, a quote unquote real cowboy. And I don't see where you go from there. If, if So if you don't hang it around him, then what do you hang it around? You know, I... I don't have a sense at all of where that show might go or if it could be more than one season. Well, just a reminder for those who are listening, staff at tasteofcountry.com is the email. If you guys have any thoughts on any of these four uh, shows, we'd love, for sure, love to hear them. Sterling, I we have been waiting for this moment. I know you and I have, you know, <laughs> talked about it here and there and then we've, you know, kind of stopped ourselves going, oh, we can't tell people yet. But I want to hear... <laughs> Sam Elliott's spoiler that he blurted out during the roundtable that you got to be a part of. Now's the time. I want to hear it. <laughs> well, we really have been sitting on this. And, and for those who are <laughs> unaware of it, I, we actually reached out to the network and said, hey, he said this legitimately while it was being recorded. Can it be used? And they went back and forth internally for a few weeks before finally reaching back out and saying, nope, sorry, this has to you know, remain confidential until the end of the season. So there's actually been some back and forth. But yeah, we're sitting there in this round table with everybody. And <laughs> I don't even know how this came up. Oh, yes, I do. He was talking about uh, his relationship with LaMonica Garrett and the close relationship between their characters as well as them. And he says, he says, well, you know, in that laconic voice of his, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's like dragging words out of an actual stone, you know? <laughs> I, I can't really go there just for the fans. <laughs> and then he kind of looks away and he says, "He well, and, and at this point we don't even know that uh, Thomas and Noemi are going to be a couple, obviously, because the, the show uh-huh. hasn't even debuted. And he says, you know, Thomas and his love. And then he says, they're one of the only two. And then he stops himself. And he says, mm-hmm. I can't really say it. And he says, then he just, you can see he makes the decision. He looks right into the camera and he says, Thomas makes it to Oregon. <laughs> and then he just starts laughing to himself. <laughs> so all along, I've been sitting on this dying to just spill it, you know. 
like a little kid when you tell him not to do something and then he looks and just touches it you know touches the stove or yeah. whatever he's like oh i'm just gonna go for it it was like it was really hard to reconcile that throughout the season because they spent so much of the season so far away from oregon i know and at times we didn't think anybody was gonna make it out <sighs> of oklahoma let right. I know. <laughs> to montana and oregon so i was like okay how is this all gonna work and i mean it did it, somehow it did <laughs> i i honestly didn't really expect almost everybody to die except right toward the end i started to realize oh my god he's gonna kill literally almost everybody there's like <laughs> just a handful what are there like seven people left alive at the end of this thing how many actual i don't know there's the family uh we're counting now we yeah, got the hands yeah, yeah. and the fingers oh out. yeah so sorry the, addison the, has the hands yeah you have there's the no dutton Amy. three Right. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, Noemi, the, her two sons. The, we're up to so six. That's seven. Thomas, right? seven. Right. Shay. Shay dies. Shay old Yosef. Yosef. Yosef, eight. Eight. That's yeah, it. Yeah, y'all. Right? Eight people. Well, Colton and Colton and Wade, uh-huh. I think. Fate unknown. We can count them right. among the living. Fate unknown at the moment. Yeah. I will Ten say. Tops. I was incredibly surprised that Yosef made it through this entire series. I was expecting him to die. And so when we end this series right. and he's off, you know, in beautiful, the you know, building his own little uh, shelter, I almost said fort, when he's starting, you can tell that he's going to put down roots. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. buddy, you were a character that I would have not placed money on you for a living. And you were, you were here. I am wildly surprised i almost wonder if taylor sheridan didn't put in his own mind does yosef represent the true pioneer spirit to him you know because he he makes a real journey from being a meek kind of a weaker character to being the one guy that comes out of this come what may you know you've got half a leg but you're still out there you know, trudging along, trying to put down stakes, regardless of everything you've lost, which is basically everything. I don't know how he's going to build that house with one leg. That, that <laughs> is going to be a chore. That, uh, yeah. Hopefully, he gets some help this is, up in this there. Is why, this is why I have you guys on the podcast. We have Billy for the practical, and Sterling's giving us like the deep cuts, <laughs> the big overarching <laughs> meaning of things. And I'm just the navigator here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and speaking of <laughs> speaking of navigating, uh, Billy, let's touch on just real quick for those who might have been confused when I was explaining um, a little bit earlier about the natives eventually taking over the land and, you know, that they had said in seven generations that would happen. We did this on the last episode of this podcast of trying to kind of explain that, but Maybe let's refresh people of, I know I kind of need a diagram at this point, but um, yeah, kind of give us a little bit of a layout of um, generational wise what this looks like. Well, it starts with how you believe James Dutton and John Dutton are related. And the best source we have for that is Taylor Sheridan, who in a behind the scenes episode of the show called The Road West said that. James is the great-great-great-grandfather to John Dutton. People get really tripped up by all the different Johns. John Sr. um, and then John Dutton as played by Kevin Costner. And they like to think that there's John Sr. 
the five-year-old we saw on this show, played by Audie Rick. He presumably will have a kid named John Jr. And then people think, oh, well, then Kevin Costner's character must be John the Third. But that's not how junior seniors work. If that was the case, John Sr. would be John the Third, and you'd go from there. John Dutton, Kevin Costner's character, is not part of that name lineage. There's more generations in there. So here's how I have it broken down. You have James Dutton, and then you have John Sr., which is Audie Rick, the five-year-old we see on the show. His son is going to be John Jr., and I suspect that John Jr. is going to be the heart and soul of the show 1932. Uh, John Sr. would be about 50, 55 years old at that point. His son is probably coming into his own. So that's third generation. John Jr. would be uh, great-grandfather to John Dutton. Yes. John Jr.'s kid, who is born somewhere along the way, maybe we even see a baby, is going to be uh, the fourth generation, and that is going to be John Dutton's grandfather. Fifth generation is going to be the uh, next is going to be the character played by Dabney Coleman on Yellowstone, John Dutton's dad. We saw how he died. Sixth generation John Dutton is played by Kevin Costner. Seventh generation Casey Dutton um, as played by Luke Grimes. Important to note is there are actually two separate characters named John Dutton Sr. Audie Rick's five-year-old John Dutton Sr. is not the same as Dabney Coleman's John Dutton Sr. And they're both listed as Sr. in the credits of the show. But if they were the same, then John Dutton Sr. would be about 122 years old when we see him die during Season 2 of Yellowstone. That's not possible. They're different characters. But this is all important because the natives said that in seven generations, we're going to come take our our land back. That's what the Indian elders said in the finale of 1883. So that's either Casey or Tate. And it ties right into what Tate uh, Casey saw on the mountaintop during his vision quest when he said, I saw the end of us. (laughs) I think that's what he was talking about. And that's why I think the natives could get the land back. Right. Yeah, right. My impersonation is always on top. My impersonation <laughs> game, top notch once again. <laughs> Taylor Sheridan, once again, if you're listening to this, Billy is available for an extra. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know how to explain it any more clearly. You do almost need a visual, but right. you know, let's get out of our minds that John and James are just related by one great. Like James right. Dutton is not John's Dutton. It's a great grandfather. There's at least two, if not three, greats right, uh, per right. the show's creator. And I don't know how you can argue with Taylor Sheridan on something that sprouted from his his strange magical brain. Yeah, right, right, right. Strange, strange magical brain. <laughs> End quote. Well, ultimately, y'all, how would we score? I want to hear each one of y'all's, and I'll give mine as well at the end. How do we grade? 1883. Dun, 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 dun. Billy, you're in the hot seat first. So the A-plus season of Taylor Sheridan's show so far, for me personally, was season two of Yellowstone. This is the Beck Brothers plotline. I really loved it. It was great, fun to watch. It was brutal and vicious at times, but I wanted to come back to it, and I just burned through that entire season (laughs) Really, really quickly. I thought the acting was good. It developed a lot of plot lines. Uh, So that was like the A-plus version. 
I didn't think season four of Yellowstone was an A-plus by any stretch of the imagination. There was far too many loose ends. Um, 1883, if we're holding it against what I think is the perfect season of this franchise, I have to give 1883 an A-. And here's why. One, there was at least one, if not two episodes that I struggled with in terms of just good TV. Episode mm-hmm. seven, I think in particular, I thought was just, there was just so much going on. And it was, that was the episode where Charlie Goodnight appears out of nowhere. Right. Taylor Sheridan's got that <clears throat> crazy accent. Uh, and then the tornado, and then there's bandits and, you know, cookies coming and going left and right. Like it was all, it felt very rushed and kind of thrown together. Uh, so I take a couple points off for that. And then also, I don't know if like I'm just scrolling through the channels one day and I see an episode of 1883 on that I'm going to stop and watch ever. And I think great shows have that ability to bring you right back into it in the rerun stage. Like I'm good with 1883. I saw it. Yeah. I loved it. I don't want to dive in necessarily. Like the want to repeat this experience isn't there for me. So I take a, a couple of points off for that. And I land on an A minus for 1883. Okay. Sterling, what about you? I'd have to give it a couple of different grades. I give it an A plus for intent and sort of execution in terms of you look at the epic scale of this thing and you can't believe anybody ever brought it to fruition in the amount of time that it was done. And for that, I can't find any fault because I surely couldn't have done any of it. You know, it's not like I can second guess any of that. Uh, I actually agree with the A minus in terms of what you actually got. I don't want to go down to a B plus, but uh, performing wise, you know, great performances and all that. But there really are some, uh, there are some things that could have been tightened up for my personal uh I could have lost every last one of the guest stars. I I thought all of that was a little bit superfluous. You know, Tom Hanks, you don't need Tom Hanks in there. It was just kind of to to put Tom Hanks in there, you know, and all of that kind of thing. Uh, You know, Taylor Sheridan writing himself in, he didn't need to play that character. Anybody could have done it, you know. So there is a little bit of uh, squeezing, shoehorning some stuff in that wasn't directly related to the show. And that brings it down a little bit. But still, you know, incredibly well acted, incredibly well directed cinematography is obviously exceptional. So, yeah, I'd say overall, I'd give it I'm I'm going down a little bit lower than, than y'all, but I'd say overall a B plus. And, and I know some of that has to do with I'm just obviously I loved they this 1883 oozes like historical facts and, and all that. And that's so great. And obviously that. It, that hooks that western um type of drama hooks a lot of people for me i love you know yellowstone a little bit more of the the romance drama if you will mm-hmm. uh something that's just a little bit easier to watch and you don't have to be so focused on it so i think that's a little bit where that b plus comes from and then similar to what you said sterling i, I felt like there were moments, and I think I've said this in a previous podcast episode, where it almost felt like 1883 was the catalyst for the commercial for other shows. Like, it was a little bit of, mm-hmm. a, I'm like, okay, you know, is this a little bit promo for four sixes? Is this a little bit promo for Yellowstone? And and I haven't really seen, other than season four, I haven't seen the previous uh, Yellowstone episode. So, you know, I, I think what's interesting is, even the little cameos that we had. And I, I don't feel like we saw that on season four of Yellowstone. It, and to your 
point as well, I felt like it was just a little bit forced where I was like, eh, all these guest stars we really could have done without and they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't add anything to the plot. If anything, I kind of felt like they were uh, a little forced, but I'd say I came into the show with a B minus on the acting and I'd say I like acting in and of, of itself I'd give it for sure an A. Faith Hill really nailed it. Wow. Um I was yeah. not <laughs> as you guys know love Faith Hill, but man, I was set the bar incredibly low for her acting abilities just cuz she ha- I mean, she right. hadn't really played on much before and goodness a show like this where it's it's nothing but just heart and soul and not a as we know not lighthearted i just i didn't have many expectations there and she blew any that i had out of the water and um yeah shay la monica garrett like all of them i was even i mean elsa i or isabel may i was just thoroughly thoroughly impressed um with the acting and then yeah cinematography i'd also give a um, and a, yeah. but yeah, I'd say overall for me it was it was a little lower, but I think a, a lot of that's just personal. I I had a hard time sometimes, um, you know, just wanting to stay hooked. Sometimes I just felt like it was a little bit drawn out, and that just might have been you know the type of show I enjoy watching or not. So I think it'd be funny to go back to listen to some of our first episodes talking about 1883 because I remember <laughs> saying things like. You know, Faith Hill, she hasn't acted much. I bet you they'll kind of bury her parts. Yes! She'll just be right. kind of a, a bit <laughs> right, player right, in this. Right, And obviously, what the hell do I know? <laughs> well, and we even, I think, Billy, we both had said, we're like, oh, Tim, you know, we're going to see a lot of him. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. truly the last two episodes that yeah. I feel like Tim yeah. came into his own. And I'm like, wow, he, yeah. now now we're seeing more of him. But we hadn't up in, you know, all eight episodes. Well, we boldly yeah, predicted nothing. that they would have to sing too before this thing debuted, yes. and of yeah. course, <laughs> whack! You know, <laughs> obviously, you don't like we know anything. Obviously, you don't hire these two singers. <laughs> hey, we oh. we roll deep in humility over here, all three of yeah. us. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the big winner? You know, in terms in terms of in terms of who really moves the ball forward for themselves in this show, who's who walks away the big winner in this thing? Isabel May, a, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, I think Isabel, and and I think Tim McGraw to some extent as well. If he wants it, um, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, he who probably does the most, like, is uh, and I, I forget how you say her name, Gradiala Brancusi. She had uh-huh. never acted before. Right. And she didn't have a huge role throughout this. But, man, every time she was on screen, I couldn't look away. She was a really captivating, just face on screen to watch. And I thought some of her emotions were really, really dynamic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's who I was going to say. I think this is one that just really opens up the flood floodgates for her. Uh, I was, like you said, every time she was on screen, I was just very captivated by her and in, in, a, in a character that... She did such a great job of <laughs> in the beginning. I didn't really love her because I'm like, girlfriend, you are throwing yourself to every man. Like, let's just <laughs> let's breathe. Let's take a step back. You know, I can uh, go from yeah. annoyed with her character to then falling in love with her character. And I think just an actress being able to do both is you're just super talented of, you know, you don't end up just falling in love with one aspect of her um, or or hating one aspect of her. I, I ended up really evolving with her. Which is interesting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I agree. And we end in agreement <laughs> for once. 
I'm Addison Hager, and this has been Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast, and soon to be a 1932 podcast. Big thanks to the hundreds who've emailed at staffattasteofcountry.com and the tens of thousands of comments on our video content at the Taste of Country YouTube page. Dutton Rules is written by myself and Billy Dukes with special research from Sterling Whitaker. The show was also produced and edited by Billy Dukes. Top follow if you haven't already, because even though we've got more episodes coming soon, you'll want to be the first to know about season two of the podcast, which we're planning right now. I also highly recommend going back for the archive interviews with cast members from both shows. As always, Dutton Rules is another great Townsquare Media podcast. Thank you.